Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We are here to share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Hey yo, what's up guys? Welcome to Mensana, Emotion for Mental Health. This is a podcast. You forgot to introduce yourself again. Uh, everybody knows who I am now because we're famous. <laughs> <laughs> this is Laura. I'm Caitlin. This is a podcast dedicated to reducing mental health stigma in the legal industry through weekly conversations. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, okay, everyone, we've been telling you guys about this for a couple weeks. We're very, very excited because tonight we have Heidi Brown in the studio with us. Say hello, Ooh, Heidi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Heidi is the author of The Introverted Lawyer and also the book Untangling Fear in Lawyering. Um, she's got a number of other accolades, too, that we'll talk about in a minute. But we're very excited to have you here. So thank you for joining us. Um, we, as you all know, always start with updates on our personal journeys. Um, oh, and just as usual, Laura and I are sharing a microphone. We're working on getting a third one, but, um, you guys know how that goes. So, um, yeah, we're bootstrapping this thing. It's, we, we don't have money for a third microphone at this point, (laughs) um, but we're working on it. So anyway, my personal update, I'll just jump right into it is, um, I, I feel as though, in the past couple episodes, I've been really like up and down. Like if you listen to the last like three or four in one episode, my journey update is like, oh, I feel really good. And then in the next one, it's like, oh, this last week has been really bad and I'm feeling really low. And I just feel like it's kind of been up and down. Um, So I'm working on figuring out whether that is a temporary thing or a more sustained up and down because like for a while after I started taking my Lexapro, everything felt like it was really under control for like a good amount of time for like a few months. And then for some reason, like the last month or so has just been really, really up and down. So I don't know what's going on trying to figure it out. Um, I talked to you guys a little bit about how my psychiatrist suggested it might be related to hormones, trying to figure that out as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my update short and sweet. I just, (laughs) like not sure what's going on right now but that's it I feel like the podcast is like a useful kind of like journal or diary for us though to kind of track our emotions I began thinking about that and I was like I want to kind of see my progression about like where my thoughts are and where like my thought work is going over the course of the podcast so really this is just a vessel for us to (laughs) literally reflect back on our own personal mental health and it has like an added side benefit maybe for you guys but that's that's a useful tool. I like that. And I feel like that's right. I feel like you have been kind of like up and down. Yeah. But like not I feel like when we think about up and down, I think about up and down. I consider myself up and down like during the day, like during the daily. If I have like mood spikes during the day and like one minute I'm like, okay, great, everything's fine. And the next minute I'm like crying or something. But I didn't even I didn't even think about like up and down as far as on a week to week basis. That's yeah. an interesting metric too. Yeah, I mean, I like didn't really think about it on the week to week until this week when I was trying to figure out what my update was because I honestly for the past like week and a half have been so busy with work I have failed at the (laughs) self-assessment I have not been paying attention to how I've been feeling so when I took some time to try to think about what my journey update was going to be I was like 
wow, I feel like last week I said I was not well. The week before that I was fine. I feel fine again this week, but like, is it really, like, am I really doing okay? Or am I just like up on this high again temporarily and it's going to go back down? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think it is a good like record <laughs> of yeah. our week to week feelings, but yeah, yeah. Um, all right. That's my update. What's your update? Um, so minus, <gasps> oh no, the book is on the ground. It's like dropping the spirit flag or the spirit <laughs> stick or something. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, my update's kind of twofold. So my first thing, I just, on the drive over here, <laughs> I guess my mother told my father about my upcoming um, surgery for my endometriosis. So he just started calling me and I was like, oh boy, do I, do I have the space to deal with this right now? I decided I did and I picked up the phone, but he was like, my, my father is, he's like PTSD, he's bipolar. He's a very emotional person. He's a very loving person. He's just sort of worried, you know? So he's calling me and he was like, he just sort of unloaded all of his worries about my surgery <laughs> onto me, which is very like sweet. And he's a very empathetic person. And he was just like, well, I'm really worried. And did you bet this doctor? And did you do this? And did you do that? And I was just like, dad, yes, I don't really, we can talk about this in depth. I don't, I'm already having lots of feelings about this. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to like have a logical conversation and, and to be like your rock in this at this moment. So I'm going to need you to do some processing on your own. And I didn't say it in those words. I was just kind of like, yep, better the doctor. Yep. 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 Got to go. All right. Good. Glad we, we touched on it and moved on and I feel like okay about it, which I think is a good sign, which is better than what I have been feeling about it. I haven't really been able to sort of be like defensive about my decision to have surgery, I guess. Um, and like, a spouse to somebody else that I thought it was a good idea because this whole time I've been refuting everybody saying oh it's a good idea for you to get surgery and I'm kind of like no I can think of a thousand reasons why it's a terrible idea and I'm probably gonna die so that's one thing and then I think my second update um I had a good reminder this week about my anxiety I've been still feeling pretty level overall but I had a good reminder about how every time I'm anxious doesn't need to be like a problem I'm trying to solve. Like sometimes just letting those episodes of anxiety come because like it makes sense that I would feel anxious about a thing kind of thing, which I, I have to remind myself of because even though I have like pretty chronic anxiety, some of those times are, it's fully valid. Like uh, a quote unquote normal person who didn't have anxiety would necessarily feel a spiked reaction about something. I was having a really hard conversation with a friend and it got emotional and it's just one of those like kind of sad, messy situations that I won't go into involving romantic feelings and platonic feelings and it's just kind of like a, a hot mess and um we had talked for the first time in a long time and it makes yeah I know Caitlin's giving me this look <laughs> um just sort of <laughs> just like quickly on the phone but it was just kind of it was just kind of sad and it made me anxious and it kind of like I don't know, like confirmed my like worst fears about us, like not being able to like be friends and stuff. And um, I just had after that, I just had this like onslaught of emotions about it. And I just sort of felt like hurt and sad and like scared that I, I don't know, I couldn't have one of my really good friends in my life again. And which is fine. But over top of all of that, I just felt so anxious about it. And then I started panicking about feeling anxious and it just compounded it. And I was like, oh, well, am I anxious? I shouldn't be feeling anxious about that. Like, let's try to fix it. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just try this little tactic because I felt like I was feeling hurt from like 
like seven different places and I just quickly took out my work notes because that's what I was working on and um, I quickly put I was like hurt because of this thing she said at this point and sad because we don't get to do x y and z and like I just really parsed out exactly what I was feeling and why and it felt so much more manageable because it felt like a big ball of a thing I couldn't handle at all and it felt so overwhelming and I just was very sad and then I was like okay no I can trace exactly where all these little feelings are coming from and looking at it on the page I was like okay I feel like I have that understood I get it like it's logical it's in a list format which I love in this podcast loves and yeah I don't know I feel like I haven't been as good about like using different like thought work and mental health tactics in the moment when I'm doing something like I know I have those tools but I've just been lazy about them I think it's probably because I'm not like really in therapy as routinely anymore and I forget that I have them but for whatever reason I remembered them I was able to use one it was pretty effective and I felt pretty good after that and I was I was still sad of course but I was able to like communicate logically about it like to myself and to others about it and I felt like okay about it and I'm like okay still a sad situation for sure not ideal but it feels manageable which is the goal so I had lots of positive kind of mental health things this week which is a nice a nice change to share in the pod here because I feel like we're often like oh no this thing happened and we feel bad about it so Yeah, it's actually really interesting that you say that because I'm just remembering that I was talking to you guys a lot at the end of last year about a really big decision I was trying to make in my life and that I would tell you the details of it. And I don't think I ever told you the details of it. But what happened was I was in the process of interviewing with a potential new law firm to get a new job. And I had a very similar feeling to what you just described where I was on my way to this interview at this new law firm and I just had this overwhelming anxiety about it and I was like I started panicking about it because I was like oh no my anxiety has been under control for so long and now I'm having like this crazy anxiety attack again like everything's failing my Lexapro isn't working and then I was like wait, no, I'm on my way to a really big job interview and it's really important and I was meeting with eight partners from this big law firm that's normal like most people would have anxiety about that so I just kind of accepted it and moved through it and was able to like separate myself from it it, I didn't let it like take over and and make me panic so I think that's really interesting um and I meant to talk to you guys more about that in depth but that that just reminded me about it um but yeah that's that's really cool I'm glad you're able to do that yeah um we'll talk later about <laughs> the topic of that conversation anyway um Heidi do you want to share your personal journey update with our listeners sure so I love the awesome. concept of using the podcast as sort of a vessel for I think you use the word vessel or sort of a chronicle of mm-hmm. of your ups and downs and it made me think of what I do and every morning well 20 years ago when I was going through a really deep dark time in my life I went through a lot of anxiety and depression when I was practicing law and um, even in the beginning years of my teaching and I discovered the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron I don't know if you've heard of it new book club yes (laughs) it's awesome so she recommends that every morning you write morning pages and um, it's three pages in your journal of just unedited you just write down anything that comes to mind and I've been doing that pretty religiously for the last 20 years and 
and but I never thought of it as sort of I never go back and look at it but uh-huh. it, but now I know that all those journals that I have because I keep all of them in fact my best friend knows that if anything ever happens to me he has to break into my apartment <laughs> and burn all my journals <laughs> but it's like a chronicle of my mental health journey for like 20 years yeah. um that's really cool yeah. yeah the idea of being able to like go back and access those like not that she maybe you never will but like I like the comfort but of it's there it's there like yeah. knowing it's there that's cool and there's no pressure to make it perfect because it's like yeah. even if you wake up and you literally have nothing to say you're liter- you're supposed to write I have nothing to say I have nothing to say and then something always comes to you huh. and yeah. then the other thing I just wanted to put out there and then I'll tell you about my update um <laughs> one of a law student at Brooklyn Law School started this um created this journal called nude gratitude and so every morning you're supposed to write two things you love about yourself things you're grateful for today and then things you're grateful for in the future as if they've already happened. And so I kind of threw that into my repertoire too. And it, it's, it helps me just kind of maintain balance. Um, But to kind of to your point of the ups and downs, um, I was up for really big, I was up for tenure in my job um, last week. And so for the past month I have been waking up at three o'clock in the morning, not really eating very well. Mm -hmm. And um, it went well, um, but I had to honor the fact that I still was allowed to feel anxiety about it. Because so many people I think tell us, well, you know it's gonna work out, you know it's gonna work out, but that doesn't help us to manage the emotions leading up to that event. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, that reminds me of the bar exam when we, and we talked about this before, where like while I was studying, I was telling non, lawyers and non-law students about how anxious I was and everyone was like oh you've always been so good at taking tests you're so smart you'll be fine and I'm like you don't understand the pressure I'm feeling about this like you just don't understand and yeah it's kind of like the same thing like everyone tells you oh you're going to be fine but internally you don't feel fine no matter what even if you do feel like fine like in my head like with the bar especially I feel like I was like you know what I'll be fine whether I pass or fail I'll just take it again it's fine. I did I got, not feel that way. Either. Really? No, no, I got to the point. I had to. I got to the point where I just accepted that I was going to fail. And I was okay with that because I really, really thought that I was going to fail. So I was, I was okay. I wasn't great about it, but like I was fine. I accepted that fact, but that didn't eliminate my anxiety around it. I still had, I still didn't want to like the whole, the whole event was, was just a, as everybody knows, it's a ball of anxiety. So even for people who probably don't normally have anxiety, it's just, it's usually not great for anyone, whether you like have something weird happen during it, or if you just have a normal study schedule and it's still, it's kind of awful for everybody, I think. Um, All right. Well, we can kind of merge our book club segment with our substantive segment because our book club discussion is our substantive discussion today. Yeah, so hopefully if you've been listening along and and reading along in our book club, you have finished The Introverted Lawyer. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys and just let you know I did not have time to completely finish it, but it's great because Heidi's here and she can just tell us everything that's in it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. We'll read it. We'll read it. Um, But yeah, so so we are going to do a bit of a QA and a with Heidi. Um, But first, I want to give a little bit more background on you and give like a better bio intro because I kind of rushed through it before. I can tell you my life story if you okay, want. Okay, yeah. You go ahead. You <laughs> just saw us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fun to be in Virginia today because this is where I grew up. And uh, I went to U- University of Virginia and University of Virginia School of Law. And then I was a construction litigator for 15 years. And I had no idea what construction law was when I got the job. But I ended up really loving the, the people I worked with and the, and the work that I did. But it was very, very stressful. 
And about 11 years ago, I transitioned to teaching. So I've taught at three different law schools, and now I teach at Brooklyn Law School. And I love to write, and I love to travel, and manage my anxiety. I, I definitely struggled with an anxiety. I actually don't even like the word struggle. I grappled with anxiety and depression and some really tough life situations when I was um, around, I think, the sixth year I was practicing law. It was a really traumatic time in my life, which I write about a lot in the book. And I've just done a lot of work over the last 20 years, really, to just manage my emotions and my anxiety. And I do a lot of that with, with exercise, like boxing classes and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That is exactly the type of role models we want to have for our listeners and for ourselves because we, d- we have not gotten through that type of situation we haven't really like we're still learning how to deal with our mental health struggles I guess our our mental health yeah we're grappling yeah our mental health grapples um (laughs) so yeah that's that's awesome and and as you all know she also wrote the book The Introverted Lawyer and Untangling Fear and Lawyering two books sorry um which I think I said before but just a reminder the book we're talking about today is The Introverted Lawyer and then maybe you can give us a little preview of Untangling Fear and Lawyering later um but let's just kind of dive right in um so we talked about this a little bit previously based on like my interpretation of the book but I think a good place to start because I think you have done a lot of research on it of course you literally wrote the book on it um (laughs) What is the difference between introversion and extroversion? That's a great place to start because I think in our American society, we tend to lump the labels on people who tend to be quiet, but we confuse a lot of those labels. We call people introverted, shy, socially anxious, aloof, antisocial, but really introversion is really different from shyness and social anxiety. So it's first important to figure out what the difference between introverts and extroverts are, which was your question. Um, So... I like to look at it as really just two things. First, it's the way that we, that some of us process information, stimuli, questions coming at you. Like you can imagine the Socratic method in law school or- or Caitlin can. (laughs) Judges asking you questions and oral argument. So it's the way that we as individuals process all of that coming at you. The second thing is it's the way we rekindle energy when we're tired. So introverts and extroverts do those two things totally differently from one another. So there's actually science that that says that introverts and extroverts use two totally different neurological pathways in your brain when you're processing information. And when I read that, I I read 26 books on this to write my own book. (laughs) It was like someone had finally turned a light switch on and I understood myself. Um, Hence why there's a light bulb on the cover of the... uh, the book there's a one little yellow introverted light bulb off to the side and the six extroverted light bulbs hanging out together uh, um, all <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I see that yeah. <laughs> but it was really remarkable to learn that okay it makes sense now my brain just needs time to process information and stimuli and questions we do that intern introverts do that internally so we like to vet and test ideas and theories and solutions and even words the way we're gonna string words together we do that internally so it takes longer. So we can seem like we're unprepared or not paying attention or don't care, but really we care really deeply and we tend to be incredibly prepared. Our brains just need time to process all that stuff internally. Whereas extroverts use a shorter pathway, their brain just automatically uses a shorter pathway. So from the time someone asks an extrovert a question to the time they wanna jump in and answer, it can seem much shorter 
and more engaging than an introvert. But you know, there's reasons for why introverts do it a little more slowly. The other thing is how we rekindle energy. So introverts and extroverts can be really highly functioning in an overstimulating environment. I always, I, I'm a New Yorker now, so I always use Times Square as kind of the most stimulating <laughs> environment <laughs> in the world. Lights, you know, action, lots of people, noise, sirens, people honking. Everybody, introverts and extroverts, can function in that environment, but introverts hit a wall when they need to get out. And and it occurred to me that that's how the courtroom felt for me back when I was practicing, or that's how a really stressful deposition felt to me. I could do it and I could function, but I would hit a point where I needed to get out and be alone. I needed to be in a close a room with a closed door, quiet, or put my headphones on. I didn't want to debrief with ten people. So it's just the different ways that introverts and extroverts process energy. Extroverts kind of like to be around people to gain energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel that all the time is, I mean, I'll speak with Caitlin as well, is two self-professed extroverted people when I always had, and still do, I still struggle, I think, with the way I have, um, like, relationships with friendships and romantic relationships with introverts because for a while I used to get so frustrated with people, and I've been working on this because I am a jerk, <laughs> so, <laughs> but... I it, and it did sort of seem like that it seemed like they were either like not paying attention or not engaged or they didn't care or like I just couldn't get why they weren't like speaking for whatever reason because when a thing happens and depending on what it is it's not like every single area of my life I can immediately talk about and I have it all processed but there are a lot of areas where I'm like I need to talk it out to process at minimum I'm writing it out to process which is internal but I mean normally I mean people make fun of me like I'll I'll be talking about something that's like probably pretty vulnerable or intimate or deep and I don't know, somebody will think that, like, I'm the only person they're telling. And I'll be like, oh, well, when I told Caitlin and my mom, it was X, Y, and Z. But when I told my sister and they were like, how many people did you tell? And I'm like, I have to, I need, like, external feedback constantly. I want to be talking it out. And they don't even necessarily have to say a thing. I just want to, like, talk at people, all of my theories, and test that out in real time, in the moment, when something happens. And it's so different from the way introverts function. I just think back to all the times where I've been like, what are you doing <laughs> like yeah. to people who were just like taking a moment if they were overwhelmed in the moment and something like, you know, some stimulus was happening that we were like unprepared for or whatever. And them having a drastically different response than me. And I read into that more so than just, oh, they're also processing in their own way. And, and introverts can be really good in one on one relationships because they are really focusing on, on what you're saying. And but they just might seem a little slower to respond to right. you. But one thing that I've noticed in myself in relationships with extroverts is if the extrovert is is doing all the talking, I get really drained because I'm not I'm not I'm not participating in it. Yeah. And instead of me just going, uh-huh, 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 you know, and I need to have a little bit of a give and take. But I have to explain that to the extroverted right. person. Um, otherwise, they, they do think right. that I'm just not yeah. in it. Yeah, like the assumption is like, I'm just going to assume you're not engaged if you're not talking, right. which is a crappy <laughs> assumption. And I think I feel like my compromises with introverts really came from a place of I finally learned that people needed maybe a little bit more than five seconds to process some giant thing. But I started asking because what I, I felt, I think my anxiety came from like being like left in the dark without knowing what they were thinking. So that was like kind of a trigger for me back then. And I got to a compromise place where I was like, OK, just 
tell me you need a few minutes and then I'm not going to make all these assumptions and jump down your throat as hard as I normally would. And like, can we live like that? And that usually worked out as long as they were like, all right, just, just give me a second, like chill, you know, and then we could usually talk about it. Yeah. I, I feel I'm just like thinking of conversations that I've had in the past with like friends or like romantic partners where I, cause I would categorize myself as an extrovert also I am immediately like when we're having a conversation I'm immediately saying all of the things that I'm thinking it's just kind of like a stream of consciousness and then if it if it's an introvert that I'm talking with they're like they don't respond and I'm like well what are you thinking and they're like well I don't know and I'm like how do you not know what you're thinking like just say the words that are in your head and they're like well I don't know yet and I'm and so now this makes a lot of sense that like literally the blood is traveling a longer pathway for them to process that information so they don't know what they're like they're not to me it always felt like they were just avoiding the conversation or trying not to participate but actually they probably didn't know what they were thinking yet and they had to take that time to figure it out right and, and this is actually happening to me right now where <laughs> there's so many things so many amazing things you guys are saying that I want to respond to but my brain can't jump from one <laughs> to the next and I find that happens to me in meetings though that people in meetings in the law firm or in the law school will have all these ideas and I'm trying to I'm processing idea number one and they've already moved on to idea number seven and so I I, and I want my response to be kind of perfect. And, and so I edit myself into yeah. silence. I, I read that in one of the books that I read th that introverts can be so focused on trying to give you the best response that they don't respond at all yeah. because they're stuck back on issue number yeah. one. And you've already said, okay, I have 10 things I want to talk to you about. So it's, it's neither party's fault, but yeah. we have to just acknowledge that, that that happens. The other thing that introverts can get really drained in relationships on is talking on the phone. So like I would much rather I always joke I could have a year long relationship with somebody over text message and <laughs> never talk on the phone. But my super extroverted friends or guy friends always want to talk on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. So this is actually a good sort of transition to my next question, because I feel like at least me personally, a lot of the things that you're talking about, I can relate to like phone calls for me can be really, really draining. I'd prefer to text most of the time but then other times like I just said I am quick to to think out loud or process things out loud or like if I'm struggling with something at work I'll just call up my managing partner and be like hey I'm working through this right now like can you talk through this with me because she's pretty extroverted also so do you think that you have to fit in one category or the other do you think that like I definitely grew up as an extrovert but I think in law school, I became a little bit more introverted. Do you think that people can kind of change or go back and forth? Because I mean, if it's a neural pathway, to me, it seems like it can't change or you have to be one or the other. But do you think that it could be one or the other? Or, or has your research shown you that someone can be both? I don't know, honestly, the science about whether we can change our innate personality trait. But I know that, that for me, just being the age that I am now, I'm very similar to how I was back when I was in my 20s or early 30s, and but I just wasn't self-aware back then. Mm -hmm. Now I'm very self-aware of my introversion, so I know that I naturally need time to think in conversations. I also need time to recuperate and rejuvenate energy, but I'm able to, and this is what I write about in the book, that I'm able to figure out situations where I can amplify my voice more quickly and, and engage more quickly when I need to be heard. 
a, as a lawyer, as a law professor, as a person. Um, but it took me a long time to figure out how to do that okay. because my natural instinct hasn't changed. I, I, I need that time to respond. So I personally don't think that we change. Sure. I think we can get better at certain situations um, if they're important to us and, and can, but I, I think I'm always going to want to rekindle energy alone on my couch watching Netflix mm -hmm. and not go to the party. Fair <laughs> All right, so the biology, we don't think really necessarily the biology doesn't really change, but we can develop habits. And I, I feel like that probably goes, I assume it goes the other way for extroverts as well. We can like calm down and take a second and recognize that like, you know. Yeah, and I think it takes dialogue between introverts and extroverts, especially in a working environment where you can you're, you're talking about your managing partner. I think it's going to be really great in, for future lawyers to be able to articulate why they need a minute in a meeting to express themselves or extroverted attorneys saying, you know, I need feedback from you, you know, but being able to articulate that to one another in a way that's productive in, in team building. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's honestly, even though like speaking for myself anyway, even though I feel like I can speak quickly and in the moment um, on a lot of different things, especially considering work, things that aren't like super vulnerable and close to my heart or something like that. Um, I think that it would probably maybe behoove everybody to just take a second and like really think critically about what they're saying in those meetings too, not even for quote unquote needing it, but just taking another second to like think through different solutions or alternative ways or whatever you're talking about, whatever issue you're talking about, you know, it's not like that time would be wasted for extroverts while they're waiting on introverts to come up with a more kind of thoughtful solution. I think that we could probably all just <laughs> take a second and rethink what we're saying. Yeah, um, this is actually kind of interesting because I'm thinking about we had a um, we had a, a diversity well we're like have an ongoing diversity series but we did a couple episodes about LGBTQ issues in the workplace and mental health and one thing we talked about was putting your pronouns in your mm -hmm. signature line and I'm like I want to put in my signature line like extrovert <laughs> like you know like Caitlin she her extrovert and I want other people that are emailing me to say like introvert and then I know okay this person this client I'm gonna have to set up a call with them for when they're ready but this client I can just call them on the fly if I have a quick question I like that that like it would that. be helpful if we could I just am obsessed with that idea right <laughs> <laughs> like if we just all said it at the outset whether you're an introvert or an extrovert I can I think it could help us all communicate yeah. a lot better yeah yeah I love that I love it yes so could you talk a little bit about how being an introvert has affected your law school career and your work career yes and, and until I started researching this you know about seven years ago I didn't realize how it had manifested in me in law school and in and the law practice but I reflect back on that experience and I realize now I really did struggle in law school as a quiet student and th there's so much pressure in law school to be loud and be ready to argue and have opinions on everything and I went to law school when I was 21 I didn't have opinions on anything and I just wanted to learn and study but there's so much pressure to speak in class volunteer or be cold called and I also have this very robust blushing response which I write about in the book and every time I was called on in law school I needed time to process the answers, but I didn't have the time. My professor was staring at me. My 80 classmates were like, come on, you know, time's a wasting. And I would just turn beet red and break out in hives and think I was a failure. And it was awful. Um, I loved college, but law school was rough for me. Yeah. 
but I was in it so I felt like I and I really wanted to be a lawyer but I just really had a rough time in school and all the the stuff everybody's supposed to be so excited about like oral arguments and trying out for all the teams I just I made myself try out for everything but I didn't make those teams because I didn't know how to amplify my voice I just I panicked I was always prepared but I had written the briefs I had done the work but my voice just failed I, I looked at it as my voice failing me yeah because I didn't know how to how to control my anxiety back yeah then. and and sorry to interrupt but this is making me think of me in law school too and this is why I like can't decide if I really think I'm an extrovert or an introvert because in law school I was I, I think I was so introverted first of all I've talked about this on the podcast but uh, I could not do cold calls, like literally would just not respond. Like if my name got called, I would just sink down in my chair and pray that the professor didn't know who I was. And there was a time one L year where this other girl named Caitlin was like vocalizing the fact to our classmates that she hated me because she got called on every class one week because I literally just would not answer and I just couldn't. And I would blush and I would like sink down and my heart would start racing and I couldn't respond. And I also tried out for trial team and I spent an entire day preparing for my tryout, like rehearsing the whole thing. I knew it word for word. And then I got up there and like, like could not speak. Like I, I fumbled over my words. At one point I like started blacking out. I thought I was going to faint. And I had never been like that before. In college, I could stand up in front of a room of people and talk about anything. And I wasn't scared. But for some reason in law school, that added pressure just like made it hard for me to find my voice. So that's why it like... I can relate to so many things that you're saying, but I think generally I feel like an extrovert. So like it's confusing. So I think what we're talking about with the panic in the classroom is different from introversion. Okay. I, I think what, what I knew that I struggled with was just needing time to have t the answers, but what I had the added issue of social anxiety. Okay. So I think what you might've, I don't know, but what we might've experienced is, is that anxiety it's performance anxiety in yeah. the classroom so you can be a, a really gregarious social extrovert but certain scenarios can 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 um you know trigger performance anxiety i definitely had both you okay. might have just had the latter um okay yeah that would make sense and that, that would be why i'm on lexapro now yeah, <laughs> like, like that stems from our fear of judgment and fear of failure and fear of criticism yeah. and i don't think that really has anything to do with our introversion which the introversion some of us have but it's 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 that fear of of looking stupid like i spent three years of law school thinking oh my gosh they're gonna kick me out of here because they're gonna think they're gonna know i'm i'm incompetent or think I'm unprepared whereas I'm not yeah and that's a completely different thing from just being a naturally quiet human got it got it okay yeah I think that makes sense, that makes sense. yeah you got your diagnosis yeah thank you <laughs> thank you sorry to interrupt no, but yeah okay. I just was struggling with like that with myself <laughs> there's also ambiversion which I'm not completely expert in ambiversion but there is um a, a the term ambiversion where people can be in introverted in certain circumstances and extroverted in others as well um, but that's also different from the anxiety that we're talking about I'm gonna look into that yes. that could be me that could be me <laughs> I, I like your first diagnosis that one makes more sense to me yeah. you're welcome Dr. Locker um, I had, I think I had like one more kind of foundational question before mm -hmm. we sort of maybe like take a break and move on to the exciting journey about amplifying your voice as an introvert. But I think my, like a final question would be, so, I mean, I think you touched on some of like the mental health effects, like that being a quiet person led 
or like that that experience in law school it sounds like maybe like some imposter syndrome like people thinking that you're a failure how did that like affect your mental health and when did you kind of like at what point did you like recognize that or I don't know how did you kind of heal that imposter syndrome and what what other things did you deal with mental health wise how did you cope with it so my mental health was not good in law school and it was very not good when I practiced law so Mm -hmm. I I went to my construction litigation firm um, right out of school and for six years I worked with some really intense personalities and it was litigation so I I I didn't really know at the time what the difference between litigation and transactional work was which might sound kind of stupid but I just really didn't know what litigation was going to entail and over the years, people have said to me, well, you should have just gone into something that didn't involve public speaking. And I'm like, that's the worst advice. Like, how <laughs> avoid about the thing. Yeah, avoid yeah. the thing. Like, h- how about we, we, I like the word untangle, because why don't we untangle why we're f- afraid yeah. and, and then be able to do it instead of just running from it or dropping out. Um, right. Avoiding so it for the rest of your life. Yes. Good advice. But that yeah. was the advice that I got. And so I, I internalized all those messages, like, face your fears, you know, just do it. I I talk about that in the book where people constantly were telling me like it was so easy for me to just put on a pair of Nikes and like go bungee jumping and not be afraid. It's that those messages did not work for me. The whole fake it till you make it thing. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that for literally 15 years of law practice. So my mental health to answer your question was really bad for for I keep saying 15 years, but that's about when I started studying this because I transitioned to teaching um really yeah about 15 years into my practice career I was still practicing and teaching the first couple years that I was teaching Mm -hmm. and what really made me finally work on this was seeing my students I saw I was terrified walking into my first classroom by the way I had complete imposter syndrome as even as a law professor I was a legal writing professor I'd been legal writing for 15 years up to that point but I was scared I was I turned red you know I was afraid of the students judging me they didn't you know we had a great class that first year but I saw that some of my best writers my most creative problem solvers you know just the the most excited students were also the most afraid to get called on in their other classes or to do oral arguments and things and I thought Oh my gosh, we have to do something about this. (laughs) So that's when I started researching this and learned about introversion. I mean, I always heard about introversion, but not in a good way. Yeah. And I was so excited. Yes. Like it was something, you know, just just be be more confident, be louder. Even my my well-meaning parents would always be like, just put yourself out there. I don't want to. (laughs) I'm good over here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, (laughs) So it was really when I started researching introversion and extroversion books the book by Susan Cain called quiet I don't know if you've read that Mm-mm. it's for introverts book it's, it's oh, I, need to write all I know stuff. yeah well, we I'll, could I'll just give like you a list okay, Ooh. Um, <laughs> there's actually a bibliography in my book that talks about all the oh, books sweet. that I read but there's different books on shyness different books on social anxiety I read them all and I finally realized okay first of all that's who I am I am an introvert but I also really grapple with social anxiety and I didn't know what to do about it until I started reading all these books. And then I kind of pulled different pieces of guidance from all those resources mm-hmm. to come up with my own plan. And then I tested it out and it worked. <laughs> and this is uh, this seven step plan that's in the book. I have to practice it every day. Yeah. This is not something that you go to one workshop and you're fine. I mean, this is something that, you know, I, I gave a talk earlier this week and I was really nervous and I had to 
and I was drained by it. And I had to constantly remind myself, you're prepared, you know what you're doing. Pr I have physical and mental techniques that I use and it does work for me. It might not work for everybody, but I know it works for me. And I'm gonna have to be working on it for the rest of my life, but I actually think it's really fun now. And I, I can enjoy the success way more than in the past when people were like telling me, of course it was gonna work out. Right. No, yeah. no there's the process of getting there is so painful. <laughs> but now I, I don't look at it as painful. I understand what I'm going through in the ups and downs in the yeah. moment. I'm excited to talk about this seven-step thing. It sounds like like the keys for you then for opening up that world were like really self-assessment yes. based and like learning about yourself and then sort of like expanding on that and like using it to help others. So that's really cool. Absolutely. What what prompted this whole thing? And I'll just be this is maybe TMI, but when nothing I turn is, nothing is TMI okay. here. No. When I turned thirty, I went through a really traumatic divorce. I I had been with my guy for 12 years because we met when I was col in college and it was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my life and and it was mostly my decision too which made it even worse so it was you know f tons of guilt tons of shame it was awful and and I moved to New York and a year later 9-11 happened wow. and, it, and <laughs> Good God. I was actually I'd and not to take this off on a different tangent, no. but I was working in, in a, a law firm in the World Trade Center at the time in Tower Two. And but because of my mental health, I took a leave of absence from the firm and I was not in the building oh my God. on that day. I actually was on a plane, which is a whole other story. But what what That's prompted crazy. this journey that led me here to your studio today, <laughs> honestly, is I started reading self-help books and I went to therapy for the first time in my life. I had never, that was just not something that my family ever talked about. Um, and it, if I hadn't gone through that, and and I picked up books like Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, I started doing journaling in the morning, and to, to get to your point about self-reflection, I think was mm -hmm. your term. Yeah, self-assessment. Self-assessment. Mm -hmm. I started self-assessing in, in the, like, in the craziest way, and not to use the word crazy, I, I made myself do it the time every single day yeah. in, on, in many different ways and many different um, venues and it, it changed my life yeah that's awesome yeah that's so awesome because that's what we tell our listeners to do and that's what we've been working on a lot is this self self-assessment and I'm super excited to talk about this I'm actually excited for you to hear Lara about these set these steps because I think the first two are like exactly what we've tried to talk about on here but you put them <laughs> in so much better words than we did um but I actually think uh this is a good place to just pause for a second and we will dive in next week on these seven steps and what they mean and how to amplify your voice and be a better advocate in your career. Um, but for now, we're going to jump quickly to our happy pills and homework for the week. It's okay. time for happy pills and homework. Oh, thank you for picking up on the beats that I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, did we just the beats that I was throwing down. <laughs> did we just harmonize? Not really, but no. like we, we picked up on each other's beats pretty okay, well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um, so Heidi is not going to join us for these Happy Pills and Homework. She Her Happy Pills and Homework will be in the next episode. Yes. So we will do ours really quickly. Yeah. Um, my Happy Pill for this week is that, no offense here, babe, but my partner is out of town. <laughs> so I've got the house to myself for a night. Babe. I know. And not like he even listens to this, so who cares? <laughs> but 
So I'm going to snuggle my pupper all night and probably eat some food that's not super healthy and love every minute of it and go to bed really early and watch trash Netflix. And I'm so looking forward to it. Sounds nice. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds rejuvenating. My favorite kind of weekend. Not that I don't also love spending weekends with him and with friends, but this is much needed. Well, you've been busy. So like it makes sense that this is like what you would thrive on. Exactly. Right now. Yep. Um, my happy pill is I'm doing kind of like a a challenging, like mental health thing actually this weekend for me, probably not challenging for the vast majority of you (laughs) because you're not weirdos that constantly need people around you. Um, so I'm taking myself skiing alone, um, tomorrow. Yeah. So I think, um, I think some friends actually will be up there skiing, like doing whatever. But, um, so I made, I made this like kind of packed with myself a couple of weeks ago, that I was just going to sort of take myself on um, either a skiing weekend or a skiing day trip, like just by myself, especially because I don't know, like I kind of love skiing by myself or like I love going with people too, but it's nice to kind of like take exactly whatever trail I want. And it's, I think it's really fun to like, this is also not a revolutionary idea, but like to ski with like AirPods in or something. Like I love skiing with music. And I only say that because um, it's not often that I do most of my physical activity with music I it freaks me out to like do things with my dog or like I often don't listen to music when I'm like doing anything physical or exercising which really? people mostly I feel like people do yeah that. I actually don't listen to music really? when I run either ever since I ran a marathon <laughs> yeah I ran a marathon guys, <laughs> just so you know anyway ever since I ran a marathon a couple of years ago and I was going on super long runs and I would just get sick of the music. It got like annoying having sound in my ears. I don't, I don't run that often at all anymore. But when I do, I don't listen to music. Hmm. I do if I do like high intensity workouts, just because I like it. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it like pumps me up. But but kind of freaks me out from like a safety perspective. Oh yeah, honestly, like when I walk like Oshi, single woman, yeah, like kind of. Actually, that's a lie. I w- I listen to podcasts when I walk Oshi. But yeah, no, I <laughs> I hear you. I hear yeah. you. So um, I'm kind of looking like I'm both. I don't know. I've never done that before. And it's kind of far. I mean, I'm going, I'm driving like just a casual trip over to West Virginia to go yeah. skiing, but I don't know. I have a season pass. I yeah. want to ski and I like want to challenge myself to like go do that alone. It's something that I love to do and, you know, like go have a drink at a bar or two for opera ski and then go home or whatever. So. Yeah. We've also had no snow this year, so there haven't been that many opportunities to go. I know. So yeah, I'm both like apprehensive about it yeah. but also um looking forward to it and I want to check out I want to get get the car going in the snow yeah. and that four-wheel drive and drive up those and steep steep yeah. cliff sides yeah. in West Virginia I hate that drive it's such a cool drive it, it is, is cool scary. okay I hate it at night during the day yeah. I love it at night it just really freaks me out yeah, but yeah that's fair well have fun that Thank sounds awesome you. sounds like we're be? both doing some like introverted lonely yeah. things this weekend alone pursuits yeah I'm here yeah. for it uh, what's going to be our homework this week? So I think the homework should just be to think about whether you think you yourself are an introvert or an extrovert. The next episode will be a lot about self-assessing. We call it self-assessment. Heidi has different terms for it. More accurate terms, like probably, probably more like specific and accurate <laughs> All of terms. research. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I think for me anyway, I think the homework will be for you all to think a little bit about whether you are more extroverted or more introverted and how that might be affecting you on the day to day. Is it contributing to mental health issues that you're experiencing? Either way is, is knowing about yourself, making your mental health journey easier is maybe the fact that you haven't thought about this until now. Has it maybe been contributing to mental health issues like anxiety that you've dealt with and 
how can it help you better grapple with that grapple grapple not struggle (laughs) grapple grapple yeah i love it cool all right all right talk to you soon talk to you soon bye